There are good nights at the plate. There are great nights at the plate. And then there are nights like the one Ryan Mountcastle had on Tuesday. Nine RBIs to tie an Orioles all-time record as he led the O's to a 12-8 victory over the Athletics. And I'll break it all down coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, April 12th, 2023. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to break down a 12-8 victory for the Orioles over the Athletics as they have taken the first two games of this series with an absolute offensive explosion. Ryan Mountcastle with a career night. Austin Hayes, great again and Adley Rutschman dominant. Then we'll get to Grayson Rodriguez's home debut. His second MLB start was up and down. Some good moments, some bad. We'll talk about what it means for Grayson Rodriguez moving forward. And then end things with a little bit of lineup talk with the Orioles as we are now through 11 games. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started today. So Orioles 12, Athletics 8 is the final score from Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Tuesday night as the O's have taken the first two games of this four-game series against Oakland and are now back over 500 at 6-5 and five on the season. And I'm going to start by getting you the five things you need to know from the Orioles 12-8 victory over the A's. And the first thing you need to know, I think it is pretty obvious. Ryan Mountcastle had a career night and a historic night for the Orioles on Tuesday. Mountcastle's final line in the game against the A's. Three for four with two home runs and nine RBIs. Count them. Nine RBIs for Ryan Mountcastle. Frankly, an unbelievable day. For Mountcastle, who had a RBI sack fly in the first inning, tied the game at one. RBI single in the third inning, tied the game at two. A three-run homer in the fifth, put the Orioles back within one at seven to six. And then the key blow for Mountcastle, a monstrous grand slam in the bottom of the seventh inning that broke the game open, put the Orioles up 12-7 at the time as they went on to win the game 12-8. And it was honestly unbelievable to watch Mountcastle do what he did on Tuesday night. Starts with the sack fly, you know, lazy fly ball, but it was a good piece of hitting to get the run home. Then you get a blistered single in the third inning, 103.5 off the bat for the RBI. Then you get the first home run, 107 off the bat, 417 feet to dead center field. Even his one out in the sixth inning, which was a ground out to short, was a ball that was smashed off the bat. He hit it 106 miles per hour off the bat. It had a 480 expected batting average. Kevin Smith, he a Terp at shortstop, just made a nice play on it and was positioned well, but he smashed that thing. And then the home run in the seventh, the grand slam, was maybe the most ridiculous home run we've seen at Camden Yards since they moved the wall back. 111 miles per hour off the bat for Ryan Mountcastle, traveling 456 feet to left field for the Grand Slam to break the game open. 
it had to feel great for Mountcastle for who, for the last two seasons has just been frustrated and frustrated over and over again by Mount Baltimore out there in left field. And he certainly conquered it on Tuesday night, got the standing ovation, got the curtain call. Orioles in the top of the eighth kind of let him go out there by himself defensively to first base. So the fans, including myself, in the ballpark on Tuesday night could clap it up for him. Really cool moment. And uh, yeah, he just absolutely put on a show. The nine RBIs, yes, that did tie an Orioles all-time single-game record. Jim Gentile and Eddie Murray are the only two other Orioles to have nine RBIs in a game. And it is the first nine RBI game for any player in Major League Baseball since Adam Duvall did it for the Atlanta Braves back in the shortened 2020 season. It's been three years since anybody's done it in baseball. That's how special the night was for Ryan Mountcastle. The second thing you need to know from this one is that, well, I feel a little bad for Austin Hayes in this game. Talked a lot about Austin Hayes after Monday night's game, hitting the ball really hard, getting the home run. He had an amazing game as well, hitting in the leadoff spot. Lefty on the mound, so he gets the call in the leadoff spot for the first time this year for the Orioles. And Hayes was awesome on Tuesday night. Four for five with a double, a homer, two RBIs for Austin Hayes. But he's going to be overshadowed by what Ryan Mountcastle did. And he had a four for five game. Hayes now hitting 333 on the season with a 1058 OPS. He's been amazing, similar to what he was in the first half last year for the Orioles. Hopefully, he can stay consistent for longer this year. But he was mashing the ball again. I mean, just started off immediately with a frozen rope to start the game. A leadoff double in the bottom of the first inning for Austin Hayes. Just really, once again, set the tone for his night. Hit that ball 110.2 miles per hour off the bat. Just sizzled it into the left field corner for a leadoff double. Ended up coming around to score. Then he hit the home run in the sixth inning as well, which is a big blow. Tied the game at 7. 104 off the bat. 413 feet to dead center for that Hayes homer. Added in a single, which was just shy of a hard hit ball. 94.6 off the bat. Got himself a bloop single in the seventh as well to drive in a run. He was just doing it all for the Orioles. And heck, that single in the seventh, that thing gave the O's the lead. I mean, obviously the Mountcastle... Grand Slam was was awesome, but it was a tie game before that. Austin Hayes with the RBI single in the seventh actually put the Orioles up 8-7 to seven before the Mountcastle Grand Slam broke the game wide open. So just more big hits for Austin Hayes as well. Just a fun baseball game. Just a fun offensive baseball game to watch. Austin Hayes smoking the ball right now. And the third thing you need to know is that, well, Adley Rutschman kept on doing it as well. We talked about how the Orioles' offense was pretty quiet in the Saturday and Sunday losses to the Yankees, where Adley Rutschman was really the only bright spot in the lineup in those two games. Well, Adley has continued that in this Oakland series, and he hitting second in the order. Just a ho-hum, two-for-three day, had his first double of the year, also drew two walks on base four out of his five times, two hard-hit balls for Adley Rutschman, just doing his job out of that two-hole. And that was the top three of the order right there. Austin Hayes... Hitting first, playing left field, Adley Rutschman catching, and then Ryan Mountcastle at first base, one, two, three. Those top three in the Orioles' order on Tuesday night combined to go nine for 12 with three home runs, two doubles. They knocked in 11 of the Orioles' 12 runs, two walks, and only one strikeout between the three players at the top of the order on Tuesday. That is some fun, fun offensive baseball for the O's against the A's. 
Fourth thing you need to know from this Orioles 12-8 win as we move to the pitching side, there were some good performances out of the bullpen. Brian Baker looked good. Danny Colum looked great. Logan Gillespie was able to finish the game off in the ninth. But Austin Voth was the first reliever out of the bullpen, and it seems like the time has come for Austin Voth. We've talked about it after his last few rough outings out of the bullpen, and this one was honestly just as bad. An inning and two-thirds in relief for Voth. He allows two runs on four hits with a strikeout, no walks, and a home run allowed. 22 pitches, three hard hit balls against him. Voth's ERA now 10.50 on the season. And we know the role changed for Austin Voth. He was a bad reliever in Washington. They DFA'd him, O's claim him, and turn him into a pretty good starter down the stretch last year. But I think everyone agreed, even by the end of camp, Austin Voth was the Orioles' seventh starter. And whether you agreed that Tyler Wells was the five starter or thought Grayson Rodriguez was the five starter, either way, those two guys were five and six. Voth was behind him at number seven and just really never had a shot to break back into the Orioles' rotation to start the year. But because he was out of options and because he had been a reliever a good amount in the past with the Nationals, he was an easy choice to throw into the opening day bullpen. And he he pitched in relief a little bit even with the Orioles last year as well. So you thought it could work. It just hasn't worked so far this year. The stuff hasn't looked as crisp. He's getting knocked around. He came in for Grayson Rodriguez with the bases loaded and one out in the fifth. The Orioles leading three to two. Allowed an RBI single, then an RBI ground out, then a three-run homer, made it seven to three, then back-to-back singles before finally getting out of the fifth inning. He did finish a little stronger. He got came back out there in a one-run game, got a one, two, three, sixth inning to kind of keep the Orioles hanging around. So he did retire the final four batters he faced. But it was still rough to watch. And we're kind of just at the point on Austin Voth where you're going to have to pull the trigger. And now I don't think like the Orioles will do it today or anything. And the issue is with the Kyle Bradish injury and with Tyler Wells being in the rotation and Grayson Rodriguez being called up into the rotation, Austin Voth right now is really the only true, true long man in the bullpen. I mean, Keegan Aiken and Mike Bauman can both give you length. But the Orioles have kind of shortened the outings for both of those guys, and they said it publicly about Bauman that he's more of a one-inning reliever now. So you could still get length out of Aiken, but really Voth is kind of your true long reliever in the bullpen right now. So if you're going to DFA him, you have to call up a long relief type. You can't really just call up, you know, Nick Vespi or Joey Crable, who are both going to be in the bigs at some point this year and both pitching well to start the year out of the Norfolk bullpen because I think you would need more lengths who would probably have to call up instead like Spencer Watkins or Bruce Zimmerman to give yourself more length in the bullpen. So I do think if he does get DFA'd, the O's would potentially just wait until Kyle Bradish comes off the injured list. That should be next Wednesday to make a start. And the hope would be that Bradish comes back, Voth is DFA'd, Wells gets moved to the bullpen, and Rodriguez stays in the rotation. But we'll see what they do with Voth because he's just not the player he was last year with the O's. And it seems like his time in Baltimore is coming to an end. But the fifth and final thing you need to know from this one, I just mentioned his name, Grayson Rodriguez. It was, I'll say, an up and down home debut for Rodriguez in an Orioles uniform. He walked some guys, he struck out some guys, he gave up some hits. All in all, some good moments and some bad moments. But coming up next, gonna fully break down that Grayson Rodriguez start. What worked, what didn't, and what we should look for moving forward because we do know, at least at this point, He's going to get one more start coming up either at the end of this week or next for the Orioles. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Grand slams, like 
Ryan Mountcastles, no hitters, and double plays are back. And there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet, up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets, even if you don't win. And now I'm looking at FanDuel. And I'm looking at some of the lines, some of the odds for the games coming up this week. And of course, I'm going to stick to the Orioles. And I'm looking at Wednesday night's game. The over hit on Tuesday with 20 runs. I would take the over again. Ken Waldachuk, the starter for the A's, has a 14-5-4 ERA. Dean Kramer for the O's hasn't exactly been great this year. I think we'll see a lot of runs again in Wednesday night's game. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet. Up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. So the Orioles defeat the Athletics 12-8 on Tuesday night, taking the first two games of a four-game series. O's now back over 500 at 6-5 here in the 2023 season. And wanted to turn our attention to Grayson Rodriguez, who made his second career MLB start with the Orioles on Tuesday night. And it was his Camden Yards debut. I was in the ballpark on Tuesday night, wanted to be there to see his debut, and it was a nice crowd. You know, not a crazy full ballpark, but for a Tuesday night in April against a tanking Oakland Athletics team, pretty good crowd and a lot of energy out there to see Grayson pitch. Now, final line certainly looks a little shaky for Rodriguez. Four and a third innings, allowing five runs on six hits, six strikeouts to four walks, no homers. He threw 99 pitches and allowed five hard-hit balls in his four and a third innings of work. Here's kind of how it went. It started off how it started off last week in Texas. He goes three and two on Tony Kemp, and he walks the first batter of the game just like he did in Texas. Then unfortunately for Rodriguez, that walk came around to score on an RBI single, gives up a run in the top of the first inning, but settles down, gives up a, a zero in the second. Then, you know, a couple two out hits, get a run in the third, but comes back, gets a zero in the fourth. But the pitch count was really rising. And and that was definitely the big issue for Grayson Rodriguez was that pitch count. I mean, he only got 13 outs and threw 99 pitches. Now, some of that was the fact that he walked three batters in the fifth inning before he came out of the game. He didn't walk, you know, anymore before that, after that first batter. So he had a nice stretch. It was just like in Texas where he walked the first batter and then didn't walk anybody else over five innings of work. It was almost that until things kind of unraveled in the fifth. But I think the the big difference in Rodriguez was just how he approached guys with two strikes. Now, he got six strikeouts in four and a third innings. The stuff looked good. He got 15 whiffs on the day. That's a good number. But 18 of the 23 batters that Rodriguez faced on Tuesday night got into a two-strike count. So he was getting ahead of guys. He was getting swings and misses, called strikes, getting foul balls, getting himself to two strikes. And Rodriguez has good stuff, whether it's the fastball, which was easily 97 to 99 all night, whether it's that slider that he got five swings and misses on, whether it's the changeup that looked a lot better Tuesday night than it did in his first start. He's got swing and miss stuff. And he, although he did get 15 whiffs, it wasn't enough because 10 batters who got to a two-strike count reached base against Rodriguez. All four of his walks were on a 3-2 count and six hits he allowed on two strike counts. And most of those six hits were on 0-2 and 1-2 counts. It wasn't a lot of 3-2 hits. It was more like he was way ahead and just couldn't make that put away pitch to get the strikeout or at least the soft contact that leads to an out in the field. 
His fastball was pretty solid with two strikes, but the off-speed stuff at times just kind of left it too high up in the zone and gave up some hits. Now, it wasn't a lot of big hits, and it was mostly singles against Rodriguez on the day, but still, he's got to figure that out. Now, he did make some really good two-strike pitches, and that's how he got six strikeouts. I mean, most of them were swinging. I know his changeup was better through a really, really good changeup to Orioles legend Jesus Aguilar to strike him out at one point in the game through a great slider for a couple of strikeouts. So he was able to do it. The slider looked good. The changeup was way better. That pitch was bad in Texas, but it was way, way better on Tuesday night against Oakland. He's just got to hone in that two-strike approach. You know, It is hard to get major league hitters out. Even guys in an A's lineup, which is basically half AAA hitters, it's hard to get big league hitters out. And it's especially hard still to get them out with two strikes. They don't get themselves out like they do at the AAA level. And I think Rodriguez learned that the hard way with a, a little bit of shaky command at times on Tuesday night. Now, the fifth inning clearly did get away from him. And after it kind of had settled down in the second, third, and fourth after giving up a run in the first, he got it out in the fifth inning, but it was three walks. And they were all 3-2 walks, and he just kind of didn't throw very competitive 3-2 pitches for each of those walks and had to come out of the game at 99 pitches. He did just seem to lose all of his gas when he hit about 90 pitches. Midway through that fifth inning, he just kind of lost it. Those last two walks, even though they were on 3-2 pitches and could have been outs, they weren't great 3-2 offerings, and he seemed to kind of lose all the command. And I, I give credit to Brandon Hyde. He tried to leave him in there as long as possible to let him figure it out. But he goes to Austin Voth, and as I talked about, Voth just allowing all three runners to score and more for a five-run A's fifth that put them ahead 7-3 to three at the time. Luckily, the O's offense made the comeback. But for Grayson Rodriguez, I think, A, he did enough still to stay in the rotation. Brandon Hyde said as much after the game Tuesday. He said to the media that Grayson Rodriguez will get at least one more start in his next turn in the major league rotation. That would make sense because Kyle Bradish couldn't come back from the IL until Grayson Rodriguez's spot in the rotation would come up at least once more. So you'd have to think he'd get at least one more start here. The real question is, does he get a fourth start before getting sent back down to AAA? I hope he does. I think he should, but we will see. But I just think there was good and bad, and that's going to happen for a guy like Rodriguez, making his second big league start. There's going to be good, there's going to be bad. Some of the off-speeds were really good. The fastball was humming. Again, it was up to 99 plenty of times. He got seven of his 15 whiffs on that fastball. He threw a lot of sliders. 30 of his 99 pitches were sliders. But, you know, his changeup got a little bit better, but his command was a little errant with two strikes, and that hurt him with a lot of the hits he gave up. And it's not like he was crushed. Again, you know, it was five hard-hit balls in 23 batters faced. That's not anything terrible. Like, you can win a lot of games and, and pitch well with those numbers. So I'm not super worried about those hard-hit balls. I mean, he gave up a, a couple of singles that were roped at, at 107 and 109. But other than that, they didn't really square him up too, too often in the game, there are a couple of uh, dink and dunk singles against him as well, and those two strike approaches. So I just think the stuff was crisper. The command was better. It still needs work, but it was better. And the off speed stuff in general just did more for him on Tuesday night. And I think he can build on that. And the big point for Rodriguez is yes, this was still a rough start. He could have escaped if Austin both did better with two or three runs on the line and said it was five. That'll happen when you walk three guys in an inning let a reliever come in with the bases loaded, especially a reliever who has struggled so far this year. But it all comes down to this point. I would rather Grayson Rodriguez do this in the big leagues, you know, have those growing pains, figure out that big league hitters 
can still hit bad pitches with two strikes, have these growing pains, figure out the you know change up and curveball command a little bit more as he's going, realize what it takes to get through five innings in a big league start. I want him to figure all that out in the majors, not in AAA. Because as you see with pitchers all the time, they're injury prone. And there's only so many bullets, they say, that are in the holster there for some pitchers. You don't want to waste him at AAA. It's time to get through those growing pains at the big league level. Because it's not like he's unplayable. I mean, he could have gotten out of there with two earned runs allowed. He gave up two over five innings in his first start. He's pitching well. The stuff looks good at times. The stuff is getting swings and misses. It's not like he's just completely terrible. There's a lot of positive signs, and he is, right now, I still think, a major league caliber starting pitcher. So in that sense, you can let him run out there and still figure things out and have growing pains as he's going along at the big league level. I think that's what the O's have kind of been forced into doing because of the Kyle Bradish injury, but it is what they're doing now with Grayson Rodriguez, and I hope they do continue to do it here with their number one pitching prospect. But... We don't know. We don't know what they're going to do. It looks like it's going to be one more start at least, and then we'll see when Kyle Bradish returns. I'm sure many will have thoughts on whether or not he stays or he goes. But I do know a lot of you have had thoughts about the Orioles lineups, not just this year, but a lot last year. And it's a bit of a different tone at the end of last year and this year as the O's look more like a winning baseball team. And they've done some interesting things with the lineups as they did last year. But Coming up next to finish off the pod, just wanted to talk a bit about lineups and how they fit into a Major League Baseball team this year, who really makes the lineups, and what we should expect to see over the next couple of weeks in the Orioles' starting nine. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Ultimate Baseball GM. This is the coolest game I've played in a long time. I always thought, hey, maybe I could be a GM. Turns out it's not easy. If you've had that same thought, though, fantasized about managing your own franchise and want a little bit more than fantasy baseball can give you, well, check out Pro Baseball GM immediately. This game allows you to manage every aspect of your franchise. You play through seasons, you're trying to build a dynasty, and in that simulation, you hire coaches and staff, manage finances. You're even like paying for workout rooms and different equipment spaces and upgrades to the stadium. You're also scouting and drafting players, managing through personalities, dealing with injuries, going through free agency, the trade deadline, the draft, everything you do as a GM. And it's a challenging and realistic game world. Also, the game is free. You can play it offline. So you play on the go, play it anywhere. And it really doesn't drain your battery either. It's kind of the perfect game for your smartphone. And you can compete against your friends as well. Heck, I'm competing with the other Locked On MLB hosts as I play the game right now. And Locked On Orioles listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probaseballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up on the app stores. That's probaseballgm.com. Ultimate Baseball GM. Start your dynasty today. So despite some struggles from Grayson Rodriguez in his Orioles home debut, the O's beat the A's 12-8 on Tuesday night, taking the first two of four in this series against Oakland. And it was a nice offensive day for the Orioles. 12 runs on 12 hits. They get, you know, most of the damage done by the top of the order. 11 of the 12 RBIs done by the top. The only other RBI went to James McCann, who had an RBI double in this game in the fourth that gave the Orioles a 3-2 lead at the time. 
But we're going to talk about a bit about the Orioles lineup. They went Hayes, Rutschman, Mountcastle, Santander, Arias, McCann, Henderson, Mateo, Mullins against the left-handed starter Kyle Muller for the A's on Tuesday night. And it's something they're going to do and continue to switch up because we've mostly seen Ryan Mountcastle play pretty much every day, but we've also seen guys like Ryan McKenna play against lefties. There was a lefty out there, and McKenna did not get the start in this game on Tuesday night. Did get to hit once and struck out, but did not start in this game, came in as a pinch hitter. But as you look at these lineups, you know, I've seen a lot about, oh, Brandon Hyde doesn't want to play this guy or that guy. And it came up a lot when Kyle Stowers was sent down to AAA on Sunday. Uh, What I saw from a lot of you was, well, you know, you might as well send him to AAA to get regular at-bats because Kyle Stowers, you know, Brandon Hyde doesn't want to play him anyway. So you might as well get him regular at-bats because Brandon Hyde's not going to put him in the lineup. A little bit of a PSA for Major League Baseball in 2023. And quite frankly, it's been this way for at least the last five years and for a lot of teams the last 10 years. Managers don't make the lineups. Managers have a say in the lineups and different managers across baseball have different levels of say in the lineups. But generally, at the very least, for every team in Major League Baseball in 2023, the front office gets at least 50% of the decision when it comes to making the daily lineups. For the Orioles, from what I've heard at least, it's kind of a collaborative effort. Sigma Dell and Brandon Hyde sit down with a couple of the members of the coaching staff and the front office staff, and every day put together the lineup. And Hyde gets to have inputs, Mydell has to get inputs, and they put together their starting nine. I've heard from other teams around baseball, even other good teams, that the managers don't even get any say. Like, the front office makes the lineup, and that's it pretty much every single day. I've heard that about some good teams in Major League Baseball. So this is not something weird, saying, oh, you know, what does Brandon Hyde do? Managers in 2023 in MLB is not what managers did in 1993 or 1973. Back then, they were making every decision. Now... The game is so focused on optimizing the data, optimizing the players. So much more is done by bigger front office staffs, bigger statistical staffs in the front office. Manager's job is to maintain a good vibe in the clubhouse, you know, curate relationships between the players, between the coaches, between players and coaches, get guys to buy into a message, create a clubhouse culture, and still make some decisions during the game, like when to pull a guy, who to put it in the bullpen, pinch hitters, things like that. But... That's more the manager's job, the behind-the-scenes clubhouse stuff, than the actual on-field managing and making the lineups. It's just how it is in Major League Baseball. You're going to have to accept that. So when you see things like, you know, Cedric Mullins hitting ninth and Gunnar Henderson hitting seventh against a lefty, first of all, both of them struggling a little bit early, especially against left-handers. The O's want them in the lineup, but maybe down further in the lineup, and they're going to put Austin Hayes in the leadoff spot. And maybe we see Austin Hayes lead off against every lefty. Maybe, heck, if Austin Hayes continues to hit like this and Cedric Mullins, who's hitting 163, continues to struggle, maybe we see Austin Hayes in the leadoff spot even against some righties. And Hayes plays more so every day for the next couple of weeks instead of being in and out of the lineup. What we saw on Tuesday night was James McCann as the DH against a left-hander. What did he do? He went one for two with an RBI double. And McCann, all four balls he's put in play in an Orioles uniform since coming off the IL on Sunday, have been hard-hit balls. Now, he's only come up with the one hit, his double Tuesday night, RBI double in the fourth, was his first hit as an Oriole. But kind of four screamers off the bat for James McCann. And if he can be more than just a backup catcher, and he can be an option at DH against left-handed pitching, 
that makes this lineup even better. Maybe that went into the fact that the Orioles are carrying three catchers right now with Rutschman, McCann, and Anthony Benboom on the roster because they think they're going to DH McCann and Rutschman more. They think, you know, maybe when one's catching, the other will be DHing more than they think, and they still want that third catcher on the bench just in case an injury happens. That could be the reason why they're carrying three catchers right now because they really trust James McCann to be the DH at times. And Taron Vavra is going to come into games like he did in this one. You know, he pinch hit for McCann early in the game. Then Frazier, or then, excuse me, McKenna pitch hit for him against a left-hander. Then it was a right-hander. And Frazier pinch hits for McKenna. That was a really interesting way for Brandon Hyde to use his DH spot on Tuesday. And, you know, you're going to see more Frazier and Vavra in the starting lineup against righties. And, you know, you may see Mullins and Henderson even sit against some lefties. You'll see Ramon Arias sit against some righties. It's going to be mixing and matching. There's going to be different names out there for the Orioles. And you're going to see guys in different spots in the lineup at times. But remember, it's not Brandon Hyde holding a grudge against certain guys and putting them in certain places. It is mostly the front office who's making these lineup decisions. And that's not an Orioles thing. That's not, a, oh, they don't trust Brandon Hyde to do anything. That's how it is in baseball now. You got to accept it. That's how it is in 2023 in Major League Baseball. It's collaborative effort. Some teams more than others. But that's how it is for the Orioles. They're putting their heads together to make this lineup. And we're going to see some interesting ones. But the offense has been generally good throughout the year. So if it continues to work, just keep rolling them out there. And hopefully the O's continue to win some games like they did on Tuesday. Now, you'd like to see a little bit better pitching in general. Eight runs against the A's offense, not great. But when you score 12, you're going to win 99% of the time. And hopefully the O's can score 12 again on Wednesday night when they're back out there for another 6.35 Eastern time start. As I mentioned, Dean Kramer goes for the Orioles. A couple of uh, iffy starts so far for Dean. Hopefully he can right the ship against the A's on Wednesday night. Again, Ken Waldachuk, who has a 14.54 ERA, the left-hander Waldachuk back out there. So we could see once again a lineup with Rutschman and McCann in it. On Wednesday night with the left-hander out there, you could see McKenna in the lineup. Some more righties out there for the O's. And then I'll be back here on the pod on Thursday, recapping everything you need to know from Orioles and A's on Wednesday, hopefully talking about a series win for the O's. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.